Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. On this Monday, we're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction, as we've been doing each Monday during the college baseball season, opening up with UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs, who understood this week, you know, the, the contrast that the sports can bring. One of the greatest joys at the beginning of the week and the other direction by the weekend coming home from Virginia. Are you hanging in there, Coach? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's Baseball's a crazy game, man. It's as high as you can get, and it's uh, pretty far down there in a low. But, I mean, I've been on both sides of it multiple times, and – I guess that's where experience comes in. All right. Before we get to some of the details uh, of the weekend and the week, I uh, like one of the things that's unique about this year is you got four new teams, and James Madison was one of them. So you're probably going to places you've never been before. What what how, what was not? I'm not talking about wins and losses, but what was the what was like the trip like? I mean, that's a that's a long way from here. It is, and we were fortunate to to have a charter out there, and which is nice. We were able to do that to to Marshall and uh, JMU, and uh, you'd like to say that makes a big difference, and I think it did at Marshall. Uh, but yeah, it's a beautiful area. I'd never been, you know. My son went to Virginia Tech, and uh, for a year, and I've been to the western part of the state, never to that area. Shenandoah Valley, and it's uh, just gorgeous, very clean, very nice. Uh, ballpark's amazing. Uh, they've got a great setup and uh, got a great coaching staff, and I thought their team played uh, played hard, played the game the right way, and it was uh, obviously a, a, a very good opponent for us. All right, so you know how series can go. The first game, they get a walk-off and obviously, if you get that guy out and you win the series, it's possible it could be different. Just how dramatic uh, and, and how much did that impact the whole weekend, do you think? Well, it definitely had an impact because, look, we didn't play very well uh, on both sides. The only thing we did decent was defend on the weekend, but uh, we didn't pitch it great, obviously, and, and we didn't swing it very well you know, as a whole on the weekend. And so being able to battle back and Jew hits that big, you know, should have been a game-winning home run, uh, and then not being able to get that last out, that has a big effect. Uh, but, you, you know, you you don't have time to bleed in this game. And so the college game's so momentum-related. Uh, you've got to wake up next day ready to respond, and that starts uh, on the bump. And, and we just struggled all weekend there. And, look, when we did execute pitches, they hit it where we weren't. And uh, when we when we did swing the bat, uh, you know, get good pitches and find the barrel, we hit, I bet, 20-plus atom balls. And uh, But that's the game, and that's what makes it so crazy. All right, so you did something a little different with Cooper Rawls as the, as the um, Friday night starter. Is that something that, you know, I, I didn't actually see the game? So what, did he 
pitch any different, or was it like kind of baseball, like you thought, or what, what was your feeling of his out? It was it was kind of baseball. A uh, lot of balls where we weren't, uh, not necessarily hit hard, and I think that gave them some momentum. They were able to score a run in each of the first four innings, and uh, you know that that got them off to a good start. Uh, we we started off offensively. We had a chance to run their starter in the first inning. They had the bullpen hot, and uh, we just weren't able to finish some at-bats there in the middle of our order. Uh, and so they got off to a good start, and then we battled back and, and uh, you know, were a couple of strikes away from winning that thing, and uh, they came up with a huge hit. So tip your cap to them. Uh, and then the next day, it just that's probably the first time all year it just got away from us. Now – you know, the, I mentioned the new teams. From a strategy standpoint, how, how has that played out so far? The new team, like a, like this new team that you're facing, not really knowing a whole lot about them. Well, you know, we've got great scouting reports and watch. That's the the cool thing about college baseball nowadays is that you've already seen everybody you play because you can watch them. Uh, I like we've got a an app called Synergy where you can see every player, every pitcher in the country, and uh, I, I like using ESPN Plus replays because you get a little bit of insight from the broadcast team. Uh, so nothing is, is totally new uh, when you get there. We just got to play our game. And, uh, you know, it starts on the mound. Like I said, we defended it pretty well. I'd like to see us, uh, you know, they tried to uh, safety squeeze early in the game on Friday and we bobble that or we're going to have an out at the plate. Little things like that, pick up a ball that may roll foul. All those runs wind up scoring. It was uh, it was a, a crazy week uh, full of highs, full of a lot of lows, and just crazy game of baseball, man. All right, so in terms of just in general, does your approach change? I mean, obviously the standings don't look as favorable after losing those three games this weekend as they did going into the weekend. So do you? Ju- is it about just kind of getting all your ducks in a row before Montgomery? Or, I mean, like, what's the mentality from here on out now? Oh, shoot. We're still in the fight. And uh, that's that's that'll always be our mentality. And, uh, you know, we've got a great week ahead, five games. Got Southern, got a good Northwestern State team, got a great coastal team coming in. Uh the thing about baseball is nothing's over until it is. And, and we've been backs against the wall so many times and so many times in my career and, and uh, somehow find a way to pull it off. And I think it's because we just keep going. So far, until uh, Sunday, Jake McGee, I mean, Jake McGee, uh, Blake McGee has done well and he, he hadn't pitched a lot of innings, but he hasn't really had – any rough innings. So how would you characterize his start Sunday? Gutsy. He's battling some injury stuff, and, and uh, as as are so many kids on this team. And, uh, you know, they continue to go out there for each other. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it started off well, but kind of the, the same thing. They were able to find holes and, and uh, you know, collect some base hits and get some momentum. And, and the thing about this team is, uh, or the JMU team, you, you need, you got to give them different looks when they get rolling. It's very momentum uh, oriented. And they were able to sustain that momentum for long runs over the weekend. We hadn't given up a ton of big innings this year and they were able to string several together against us. 
obviously, uh, well, the starting pitching had its issues. So did the bullpen. Uh, we've been talking about Dylan for a while. Um, is this the week that we might see him? And and, and just how critical is could he be from here on out, you know, if he's able to come back and be himself because of the questions in the back of the pen right now? Well, he threw live on Thursday night. We had a we had a great practice over there. Uh, you know, we were ready to rock and roll. And he threw live, looked great on Thursday night. And, uh, you know, possibly could have used him this weekend, but just never could find the right spot for, uh, for the type outing he needs to, to – uh, get going again, and and I think you'll definitely see him this week. Do you feel like you know? I mean, obviously, baseball is a game. You got to be ready every day, and and that's kind of been your message so far today. But like, do you feel like the team leaders get that as well, and that that this team will be able to bounce back from a weekend like that? I do. Uh, you know, we've been. We've had a lot of experience being in this spot, and I believe in those kids, and I know they believe in each other. And, uh, you know, like Coach said, tough times don't last, tough people do. And uh, we've got a bunch of tough kids. Now, Cooper did throw, I think it was 23 pitches in Baton Rouge on Tuesday. Um, if you're going to pitch him again on Friday, does that mean that he really that he won't pitch, or could he pitch an inning um, t- tomorrow or Wednesday? I think you'll definitely see him, and I think we'll split this thing up uh, with multiple different looks and uh, put our team in the best position possible to win. I'm not going to sit idly by and watch us keep doing what we've been doing. I think you are—you know, everybody knows that. I'll, uh, I'll change things up for sure. So, was it when when y'all go up there, or that far, like that region? Is it is it like an umpire rotation throughout the conference, no matter the region, or is it or is the umpires crews kind of a rotation, but geographical? Like they have their set of umpires, and then the other umpires kind of just do all the games in the southern part of the conference. How does that work? No, they do. A, the league does a great job of uh, it's it's not. It is somewhat regional, but it's not. Uh, you know, like Matty Martinez was there, did a tremendous job behind the plate. I've known him for years. He's a Texas umpire. Uh, there's uh, two of the three I was very familiar with. And uh, so you could be from Louisiana, you could be from Texas, you could be from Missouri. doesn't matter. Uh, you know, they, they may have to plug one in regionally, but uh, they do a good job of putting, putting umpires in the right spots. All right, so you mentioned five-game week, and obviously um, pitching was an issue over the weekend innings-wise and and uh, execution-wise. So, um, you know, is that uh, – are you liking the fact that you're about to play a five-game week, or is that – could that be an issue this week? No, I, I love playing, and I know our players love playing. And uh, we're not going to have anything next week. We need to play. And uh, we need to continue to work to get better and find a consistency that we can ride that lightning to the finish line. And there will be some adjustments that need to be made. That's fine. Uh, Got a challenge in front of us, and uh, I know we'll be more than willing to accept it and take it. So, obviously, I know midweek games, you know, people have different philosophies, but it seems like 
it's going to be important to get some some wins and some really good innings to to, to kind of get that that execution level back up and that confidence back up over the next two days. No doubt. And we just need to come out and play good baseball. Uh, you know, which we did, but in spots. But JMU played extremely well. And like I said, it was a crazy weekend. Everything they hit was down, and, and a lot of the stuff that we hit was at them. And credit them, they made the plays and made the pitches when they had to. You got to keep going in this game, Kev. If you if you stop going, you know there's a ten game winning streak right around the corner, and that's where most common people stop or or want to throw in a towel. And this is a time where you just head down, keep going. All righty, sir. Well, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much, and uh, good luck. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, thanks, Kev. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into footnotes on the game. And this is kind of, again, it's a little little different opening with Coach Deggs each Monday, but we appreciate his time and his willingness to do that. And so um, it's kind of the start of the show comes now. And I was, if it was a normal weekend, other than how busy it is at work right now, I would have opened the show by saying, with all apologies to Coach Deggs and the UL baseball fans, because I know it was a rough weekend for them, that this was a glorious weekend. We haven't had a glorious Monday morning in a while. And for those of us who are Astro fans, it is. Now, again, I, you know, my look at baseball a little differently than, than a lot of people. And I, going into, I, from since day one of the season opener, I've said, just, until you get your ducks in a row, just avoid sweeps because eventually you're going to get hot and win a couple games in a row and hopefully a lot of games in a row. And then if you don't dig yourself too big of a hole by not getting swept, well then even when you're not playing well, then you can really make some hay. I mean, that that's what you need to do. Um, you know, the thing that's strange so far, because the Astros – until this weekend where they swept in Atlanta, they haven't played that well this year. But again, it's early. Like, the the headlines that I've seen and the things that I've heard some people say just amaze me. Haven't even gotten to May. It's not May yet. And people are saying, well, the Astros might need to make some trades. Like, for what? This is the best roster in the history of the franchise. Now, does that mean they're going to win the World Series? No. I mean, it could get hurt. People could relieve pitchers or a, or a fickle group. I mean, 
we've anybody who's followed baseball knows that you could you could be like the reliever of the year, whatever they call that, one year, and the next year you you have a down year. I mean, relief pitching is a very iffy proposition. I mean, Ryan Stanek set the record for lowest ERA. He didn't give up. He didn't really do anything last year. He didn't give up hardly anything, and he wasn't even a he wasn't even in there plans really and he hardly pitched in the postseason you just don't know what you're going to get out of the bullpen so I understand that the bullpen is a is a fickle situation and they could totally blow up in the postseason and in in one postseason a team could figure them out a little bit and totally blow up and, and get beat I mean I mean of course that could happen but on paper this is the best roster from top to bottom, in my opinion, they've ever had going into a season. So to, to say that they need to make trades because they got off to a rough start, I mean, it's just it's just mindlessness in my opinion. But anyway, um, so coming into this series, like I was like I always do, I'm thinking, just just don't get swept. So they fall, they give up Hunter Brown gives up four runs on Friday night in the first inning. They don't score again. And the other thing that's so beautiful about what's going on with the Astros right now is El Pedro Grande's really not hitting the ball. <laughs> He's really not. Now, I know Braves fans after this weekend with all the big hits he got were like, man, that guy's all, and he, look, he is awesome. I mean, he don't, don't, I'm not arguing that. But in two of the three games, he went one for five. It's not like he's just on, a, on this. He had... He had one of the worst at bats you're ever going to see. Maybe the worst at bat he's ever had in a regular season game. That first postseason, he was terrible. He looked totally like a fish out of water. He was completely useless that first postseason that he had. But he had an at bat yesterday where he swung three times, just looked awful. I think it was against free. Just looked awful. So, but then when he came up in the clutch off a of mentor, he got the two-run single to tie the game. Uh, and, but, I mean, twice, two out of three games, he went one for five. It's not like he's crushing the ball. He just has a, he, he just has the ability to get big hits at big times. It's just, it's, it, it's impressive. But from a Braves fan, like our friend Nick is a Braves fan, like Raymond is, and I'm like, He's like, we really need a win. Why do, why do you need a win today? I mean, I understand you want to win every game. But the Braves probably had more wins than they should have had with the injuries that they've had so far and all the road games they've played so far. So they pro- they, they are fine wins-wise. They were, they were ahead of the game in terms of how many wins. Plus, if you're going to play the Astros in the World Series, which, you know, I hope the Astros get to the World Series. If you're going to play the Astros in the World Series, you don't you 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 would like the fact at that point that you got swept in the regular season. If it, if these games mean anything, which they probably don't, but if they if they mean anything, then you don't want to you don't want to have had great success in the regular season against a team. You want to be due to beat them. I mean, you know, if if those games mean anything. The other thing is 
This is the lead that was buried all weekend. That I mean, it's amazing how people like I look at sports, especially baseball, different than every than most people. The most significant thing that happened this weekend or that I heard this weekend that I haven't heard anybody say. I know Brace fans all demoyed because they got swept and the Astro fans are all fired up because they won three games. It has been almost two years since the Braves got swept at home. That is amazing. Like, talk about bury the lead. I couldn't believe it. Like, the Tigers have swept the Astros in Houston since then. The Tigers. The Astros, they can't play well against it. I don't know how many times the Astros have been swept at home, but it's but it's at least th- two or three, if not more times than that over the last two seasons. It had been since last May, I think they said. Toronto did it. Then it since that almost two years since the Braves got swept at home. That's impressive. Like I wish the Astros could say that, but they couldn't because they you know they had that series against the. I mean how, how do you, how do you how do you get the Detroit Tigers out? I mean I don't I don't know how you do that. But anyway, um, no Astros have been swept at home before, multiple times. That that's impressive. That talk about buried the lead on the weekend. That's it. Um, but no, look, the Braves are going to be fine. I mean, um, I wouldn't even worry about that now from the Astros perspective. So they, you know, the Braves didn't need to get too many wins. They, they, they were going to get, they they, would have been way too far ahead of the game. You don't want to be that far ahead of the game and you get a little big headed. So the Astros helped the Braves out. So now the Astros need to try to help the Rays out. Like the Rays haven't lost a home game yet. The Rays played like 40-some innings in the playoffs last year, couldn't score a run. Now they hit a home run every game. They just set a record, 22 games in a row with a home run. And they ain't won a home game yet. So, you see, you don't want to get that. You don't want to get the Piper mad there. So, the, it's time for the Astros. They need to help the Rays out a little bit. But look, all I'm just give me, just give me one win. Just don't get swept. Mentality doesn't change. Now, the end goal doesn't change either. The end goal is to win the World Series if you're an Astro fan. But my mentality going into this series, same way it is going to Atlanta. Just don't get swept. The Astros will be pitching Arquiti and Garcia. Arquiti got lit in his last outing. Garcia got lit in his first three outings. Pitch outstanding in the last outing. And then Hunter Brown, who, man, I really like Hunter Brown. I mean... Look, I understand he gave up four runs in the first inning Friday. One of them was, you know, just a fly ball. that The two of them were fly balls that were hit well, but they weren't, like, crushed, and they just were put in the right spots. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it happens. And then they hit a ground ball to the left side that, that found the hole and got through. And I understand they, they scored four runs, but I didn't, I didn't feel like he got just lit. They just did a good – and Ozzy Albee, man, I'm so glad Ozzy Albee isn't. It plays in the National League, and I hardly ever have to play him. We cannot get that guy out. I hate facing Ozzy Albee's. I hate that guy. But um, but no, it. Uh, I'm very impressed with Hunter Brown. Very impressed with Hunter Brown. And you know, the other ironic thing about the weekend is Presley hardly pitched. He wasn't even available. Abreu scared me yesterday. He pitched awful yesterday. You know, Brian Abreu 
was an enigma for the first couple years in the league. And then sometime around midsummer last year, he just turned it on and figured it all out. The light clicked and he pitched just unbelievable. I still can't believe what he's done. And he's pitched great so far this year. He was terrible yesterday. I saw the old Brian Abreu yesterday and he got lucky. So I'm hoping it's just, you know, they were playing a good team on the road who was fighting hard and all that. But I don't really think it was that. I think I just think he pitched bad. He was due for a bad outing, and he got lucky. I'll take luck. You know, luck is all is part of the deal, so I'll certainly take luck. But he, Brian Abreu pitched terrible yesterday, and he got away with it because they crushed the double play ball right at Dubon, and, and they got out of it. But, I mean, he had already walked a batter and four pitches and hit a batter. He was all over the place. He had no command yesterday, none. He had no idea where he was throwing the ball, which is the old Brian Abreu, not the one we've seen since late July last season. So hopefully that's just a blip on the radar and he goes back to pitching in a, in a dominant fashion. Maton had a couple outings. He continues to pitch really well. Uh, Javier looked fabulous yesterday. You know, some, I saw someone said they only gave up one earned run and then I kept seeing other places that said that he gave up two earned runs and I think that's that stupid old rule that you can't assume a double play. But but there's no way he should have. He really just gave up one run because Dubon just threw the ball in the in the dugout on a double play, and um, that that's the only reason why they scored one of them. I thought he pitched great yesterday. So, um, no, look, it's great. It's great to get a win. It's great to get over 500. We're not in May yet. So again, I have Astro fans who have called me and said. Man, I'm really worried about this team. Hopefully, those fans are not worried anymore. There's nothing to doesn't mean that they're going to win the World Series. Doesn't even mean they're going to get to the World Series. We have no idea. It's not May yet. But you got Braves fans that are, you know, that you know, that get demoyed over there. There's no reason to get upset about this. It you have you you had won too many games already. So you good. Good and like you know the Astros need to help the Rays out and 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 get get their little win. They're gonna lose a home game. They might might as well get it done tonight. Just get it out the way. Astros might get humanitarian team of the year with all the way they helping all these teams out this week. They need to keep it up. By the way, the Astros have only won three series all year. Toronto, they have one of the best records in the league. The Braves. They have one of the best records in the league. And the Pittsburgh Pirates, like they win every day now, the Pittsburgh Pirates. I don't know what their record is, but it's pretty good. They might have more wins than the Braves now. I don't really pay attention to standings. Do they not have more? They have a lot of wins, the Pittsburgh Pirates. How many wins do the Pirates have? They actually do. They have 16. (laughs) Yeah, 16 is what I'm saying. I Again, I don't really pay attention to a lot of records or standing. I don't look at the standings till June the 1st, but the Pirates have been winning a lot of games. Seven in a row. They're in first place. So the Astros have three series wins against three of the teams with the best records in baseball. And then, then they, the Detroit Tigers, they were lucky to win one game. The Detroit, I mean, how do you beat the Detroit Tigers? I don't know how anybody can do that. But the Astros sure ain't figured out how to do it. We'll take a timeout. Come back with more. Stay tuned. 
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Got a busy week. We talked UL baseball, Astros, Braves baseball. Haven't gotten to softball or the NBA. Any of the thoughts that you have on any of that? I didn't get a chance to see the Warriors and the Kings last night but I saw the highlights and quite a bit of commentary about it earlier today saw some of the mistakes and look the Kings got an open three-pointer if they if they knock it down at the end of the game they win I mean I know the Warriors won and I know all the people just assuming that the Warriors are going to beat the Kings because they're the Warriors and they're the Kings I mean you know I think all the games have been competitive and I think the Kings just as easily could have won last night's game or as lost it. And so if I'm the Kings and I'm going back to my rabbit home crowd, I, f- I still feel pretty good about them. I mean, they, all they had to do was knock down an open shot last night and they win. So, um, <clears throat> and I think one of the more fascinating discussions, Maybe fascinating, but interesting discussions is the whole at the end of a game, do you call timeout or do you just go? Because if you call timeout, the defense can get set up. Theoretically, you're more set up offensively, but also the defense can get more set up. Whereas if you go, you might not be as structured offensively, but the defense theoretically is not in a good a position. So at the end of a game, some people were critical of, um, it sounded like, you know, the Kings calling timeout, which probably was, you know, we're going to call timeout either way. But if they had not, they might have won the game. So who knows how that plays out. So any thoughts that you have on the NBA? The Lakers won, which a lot of people kind of thought they would, but it was weird. I saw some of that game. It was weird in that they got up way ahead, but they didn't really play that well down the stretch. So I don't know what to think of that series. I, under, I I do obviously know that the Grizzlies are a little on the banged up side and that most people are expecting the Lakers to win the series. I certainly hope that they do. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Grizzlies win this, you know, this next game because I, the Lakers didn't – they play a lot of bad basketball, even though they won. In the parts that I saw, they weren't playing all that great. Uh, so we'll see how, how that plays out. And then we are now three days from the NFL draft, and I am more confused about the NFL draft than I was since, like, two weeks after the Super Bowl. So we'll be discussing that. And I've been trying to peel back as many layers as I can to try to to avoid getting 
thrown off guard and getting a major curveball thrown at me with the Saints first round pick. And I think there's a whole avenue. It hit me over the weekend, a whole avenue that we haven't even discussed yet that we need to do, whether hopefully today at some point. But I, I think there's a whole line of thinking that we need to explore that we haven't really uncovered yet. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Yeah, Foot, I kind of agree. I, I don't like timeouts either, especially when you you got the team on the ropes, you know. <laughs> I don't like no timeout either. Yeah, it can mess you up sometimes. Yeah, it, it can it could rob you of an, a really good scoring opportunity. Yeah, and plus, it's not, and, and I was saying it before, it went down. I was telling my old lady, I said, now, Fox needs to, what he needs to do now, do not, in any circumstance, do not dribble into a crowd and do not give the ball up, Cat. You cannot give the ball up and you can't give it up to Harrison Barnes right there. I mean, Murray's been good all game. At least get Murray a shot or at least, like I said, you got to hold the ball there and you to make him foul you or can't you get inside as much as you can and you take a floater. They, they, they panicked like they needed a three-point shot to win the game like they was down by three to tie. Dude, you're down by one. Need a bucket. You can get an easier shot than that. <clears throat> yeah. You know, so I kind of knew he was going to do that. I'm like, you can't dribble it and you can't let nobody come and trap you and all of a sudden you give the ball up. You got to go strong with the ball, hold it, and you make them fire you and you get the last shot with a floater or you kick it to a guy that's been hot all game. You don't get the ball to Harrison Barnes right there. I said, man, what are you doing? Y'all blew it. They blew it. Oh, no, they, they could have won. They could have won, but I don't think if I'm the Kings, I I, I lack any more confidence. I just blew an no. opportunity. No, you <laughs> know, but at the same time, the Warriors have been knocking on that door of winning the game over there in Sacramento. They could have won that last game. <clears throat> so, I mean, the Warriors got the the ultimate confidence now also because they were down 2 nothing. So you, you don't believe the Warriors don't believe – they can go over there and win game five? Oh, they certainly believe it. But I, I, I still feel like the Kings' chances in game five. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. But if it's a close game, Kevin, if it's tight and it didn't pick down the stretch, the Warriors are going to get that game. I, I have a strange feeling they're going to get that game. They're going to get the calls down the stretch. <laughs> I, I have a strange feeling that they go up 3-2, it's over. Sacramento blew it. They had to win that game last night when you had the game one. Now, they play, I played them in the first half. Second half got away from them, but they came back. They battled back quickly, twice. They were down in the fourth quarter twice, and they came back. And that right there, like I said, you cannot give the ball up. You just can't give it up and give it up to a guy that ain't been hitting shots all night. He ain't been helping y'all, so you can't give the ball to Harrison Bowen. You just can't do that, you know? I'm yeah, like, but, ball, that would have been nice stupid. and the ex-warrior beating Celtics, the Warriors. These dumb Celtics, this so happened to get a – a team in the first round that they're going to beat up on and everything, and they're going to coach their way to the second <laughs> round. Man, I hate the Celtics, man. I just, I mean, they, well, they got, got beat one. I, I, I appreciated that. At least they, they got beat once. Do what? At least the Hawks beat them once. Oh, the Hawks should have won last night, though. If, 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 if a few more unboneheaded players they would have made, and the officials won the favor of the, the Celtics for everything, they could have won the game last night. But it, I guess it ain't meant to be. But, man, I'm like, whoo, it's, it's some crazy playoffs right now. Everybody getting hurt. Giannis is hurt. We don't know what's going on with that and stuff. All of a sudden, Kawhi shut it down in the middle of a playoff in those series. They had the series kind of in, in, in the grip. He shut it down. All of a sudden, now they, I mean, I don't know, man. It's crazy. It's, it's a weird, 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 strange playoffs season going into the playoffs. Now, the playoffs is just as weird as the regular season. 
That's something, man. Yo, it's crazy. No, 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 no I know question. One thing, Kevin. I know one thing. We got to win that game tonight. We can't <laughs> play around with the Grizzly Bears. We got to win that game tonight. Go up 3-1 and grip it. We can't I agree. let them tied up at L.A. and go back to Memphis. I agree. And your ball, Dylan Brooks, can have the crowd pumped up and everything. And this no, you're right. You slip. You're right. You're right. You know, slip, slip, go down 3-2 and everything. And who knows what could happen in that other game because nobody can get nicked. <laughs> If I can get bumped, all of a sudden they hurt. It changes everything. Bam, we lose. So we got to take care of business tonight. No, I, 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 I agree Kevin with you. Huge, huge game. Huge game. More important than game one. Uh, this is huge. No question. Thank you for the all call, right. sir. Talk to you later. Take care. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Once again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 on this Monday as we try to review and the weekend, talk baseball, talked a little bit about the NBA in the last segment. Haven't really gotten a softball yet. You know, Friday night was... A rough night for Cajuns, baseball and softball, both lost on walk-offs. Like, softball team loses on a walk-off home run, and it's a, it's such a, it's such an abrupt, <clears throat> especially when it happens with two outs, and you're like, you're one pitch away from winning, and the other team hits a home run to beat you. And you just, you know, it's just, it's, it's just the worst way to lose. I, it's just awful. It's an awful way to lose. And so, especially in that game, it wasn't like you pitched all that great. Like you didn't pitch well at all. Then, in game two, you're down two to nothing. So you're pitching okay, but you're not really hitting. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, they just started crushing the ball. I think it was three home runs after that. Won the game going away, 9-2. to And then yesterday came out swinging it again and won handily. So, yet, and I know they lost the game. <clears throat> and I'm sure there were plenty of people that were all upset, you know, at the coach or worried or whatever. It just, you know, it's going to fall apart here. Here it goes, falling apart. And, and. They just respond. I mean, how many times in the last 10 years do they lose a game and then it's just like, oh, the other team's got over, and then they just respond. And they just and they did it with the bats. And Sam Landry pitched outstanding again yesterday. So she's really starting to, you know, she didn't really pitch that well early on, I didn't think. But Sam has really come on of late. <clears throat> that's good to see. And the bats just, they didn't panic. The bats just took over. It's why, and, I, you know, we've spent a good 
amount of time talking about the streak and like who it matters to and what the big but but weekends like that are why it's so insane that it's been how long it is because you lose a game a game you could have won you should have won maybe you'd say on Friday and a deflating loss look what it well, look what happened to the baseball team after their loss on Friday in a very similar fashion right they just it derailed the weekend and they battle back every time this happens and they find a way to win the series and again like this isn't the Sun Belt of 10 years ago, you're playing pretty good teams every week, and Troy's a pretty good team. And they still find ways to win the series over and over and over again, and it's just, again, like, just, it's it's going to end one day, but they just they just keep finding a way. And uh, they don't feel, clearly they don't feel the pressure of the streak because, again, there's so many times they could have lost it a long time ago. Right, and I don't think they ever think about it, really, very little. Uh, it, it's not, it's something that we talk about each week when it happens, I don't really write that much about it. We don't really talk about it a great deal, but it is impressive. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's it's impressive just that it's so easy to just have a bad weekend. I mean, just look, it happens all over the country. Or a bad game that just leads to where you just play one bad game and then you just get unlucky in another one. I mean, that it's just, it really is amazing. Now, <clears throat> they also got the good fortune of Marshall losing a game over the weekend. So even though they did blow, lose that game in dramatic walk-off fashion, and by the way, it was on a ball that they wonder whether it was fair or foul. And when a ball is hit high over, I don't know how, I don't. I just don't, I never can really tell if it's fair or foul. I really, and I don't even think replays, unless you have unbelievable replays, can really tell you. Though to me, that's, when it goes over the fair pole, I, I really have no idea if it's fair or foul. Yeah, and I I think it was fair because I I the way I look at it, the foul pole, if it was extended up longer, I think it hits the foul pole, which of course is home run anyway. So I, I think it ends up being fair, but yeah, it was certainly uh, it was not clear cut, and I don't know. It's tough too. Like that foul pole was short. Like yeah, you know, some foul poles are really big, and you have the advantage of it hitting it, but <clears throat> you can't extend the foul pole forever. No, I agree. It that and and you know it 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 added some. What's going on here to the end of that game? And yet, I, I don't think a replay would have overturned it. Because how do you overturn? I, I, it's a, it's a, it's just a tough call. Even at the big league level, when the ball goes over that pole, it, it, it's, I, there's hard. It's hard to get an angle. Now, the only way you can do it is if, if it goes behind, beyond the pole. If you lose sight of the ball for a split second, then you know that it went behind it and not in front of it. But other than that, it's just. Replay is not and, real effective against those kind of balls. Yeah, and I think other thing to keep in mind when people are watching that and they see it and they go, oh, it looks like it went to the left of it, camera angles are, are completely deceiving you. Yeah. You, ha- you would have to have a perfect line down the, the line in yes. which nothing, anytime you're at somewhat of an angle, your, your view is distorted of where the ball is. So. And also from the weekend, Maya Davis hit another home run. So, I, you know, as I'm watching Maya play this year, I'm like, I'm trying to think, okay, what is she going to be a year from now and two years from now? I understand how talented she is. But, you know, I was, it took me a while to warm up to the whole year, I'm talking decades ago, to the whole slapper concept. And I'm not a huge slapper. I understand the value of them now better than I did 20 something years ago. But I think we're now going more away from the slapper. It's more like power. Softball becoming more of a power hitting game and less of a slapping game. Play for one run, small ball game. 
And so I'm thinking, okay, how is – but it's nice to see her with the ability to drive the ball and not just, just be a slapper, which Coach Glasgow said all along she wasn't just a slapper. <clears throat> but we've seen her have trouble getting the ball out the infield uh, at times with runners in scoring position. So I thought that was a very encouraging sign over the weekend. You know, Lauren Allred had had that incredible start – and then she wasn't bad, but she wasn't. I mean, you're not going to stay hot forever. But she kind of hit a little bit of a lull. Well, she crushed two home runs yesterday. So the, uh, she's out of that lull. So that was good to see. And, uh, you know, got a chance to see Laney Crater catch a ball near the warning track in left field. And so, um, you know, Stormy played a little sad. I mean, it's still all over the place in terms of defensive stance. But, no, very impressive for them to come through. And, once again, we'll be talking – with Coach Glasgow on Wednesday for our weekly interview with him. So, again, it's a Monday, busy weekend, lots going on. Any of those thoughts that you have from the high school level, we had a ton of teams make it to the state softball tournament um, this weekend, Friday and Saturday in Sulphur. And so, you know, congratulations to the ones that have been there many times, like the St. Thomas Moore. Kaplan used to go all the time, and and they've had a little bit of a drought by their standards, and congratulations to them. They get in, and David Thibodeau made it to the state softball tournament for the first time. Certainly, congratulations to them as well, and we'll be talking about that a little more as the week goes on. All right, that's it for the first hour NFL Draft Talk on the top of the second one. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. For some of us, it is a glorious Monday morning. For others, it is not. It, it was, if you're, a, if you're a Cajun fan and an Astro fan in baseball right now, you talk about the polar opposite of emotions. I mean, not just for the week from the the win over LSU and then getting swept at James Madison, but like, you know, the the Astros had a great week. They beat the Blue Jays two out of three and swept the Braves. It was Bobby Cox week for the Astros, and um they got a little revenge because many times they did not things did not go well against when Bobby Cox was around, but uh, got a got a little revenge, so that was good for Bobby Cox week um, for the Astros. So, but no, a huge range of emotion. Once again, we're broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium thirty two point three and one thirty three on LUS Fiber. Again, an hour of open. Phone lines, if you want to get in the game hotline, 337-706-0111-706-0111. If you would like to get in, now is the time to do it. All hour. All right. So, uh, before we get to the NFL draft, we talked about um, the Astros – go from sweeping the Braves where again the Braves were winning too many games and it and they ain't lost they ain't got swept at home in like two years so to you know to save them from the Piper getting too angry the Astros did a, did them a little favor and and 
and, and, and gave them some wins. And now they go play the Rays. Talk about the Piper starting to pay attention. They ain't lost a home game yet. They've hit a home run and set a record. They've hit a home run in, in each of the first 22 games. They're 19-3. and three. So the Piper's getting mad at them. So we're going to have to do more community service, no, I'm afraid. No, because here's the thing. You, you did all this pre-Piper talk about the Braves, how they scored zero and the Piper was going to – and then they scored nine runs in three games. So what happened there? Piper didn't show up. He didn't show up. The, the Braves. They scored said, four runs in the first inning. They got too greedy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. They scored four runs in the first inning, and then and then you know, Hunter Brown is good. Uh, you don't want to give him credit, but I'm telling you, that guy's good. I don't <laughs> did I say that? I don't know what. They're, seriously, what are they going to do when Lance McCullers comes back? Seriously. Well, you know, I don't know if they'll have to worry about that because Lance McCullers seemingly doesn't stay around for long. Well, no, but they're saying. Back. Well, that's true. He may not. I'm, <laughs> I mean, he may not stay around for long, but he's yeah. going to come back. Um, you know, I mean, you could go six man, I guess, if you wanted to. I, I wouldn't be against that. Um, you know, I mean, in the past, it's been Javier in that bullpen role, but I think they like him as a starter. I don't know if they want to go back to Javier. Oh, no, he's too good. Relief. Right. And no, he's so, too good. You know, I mean, is it is it at the time, do you just go with the least, you know, productive guy and, and put him in the bullpen? I, Have you ever understood why Jose Arquiti is not a good relief pitcher? Because they claim for whatever reason... His, I don't know if it's his mentality, but it seems like he throws strikes. That's the perfect relief pitcher. Come in and throw strikes. But yeah. like he, he just doesn't seem to adjust to the bullpen well. Well, the other interesting thing about the Astros like starting rotation is they don't have any of – well, maybe we'll see Hunter Brown. But like they don't have your classic flamethrower starters that a lot – even around the league now, it used to be the bullpen guys had high velocity. Now everybody has throws high velocity. The Astros – and so I don't know. Maybe they don't think a guy like Urquidy would 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 translate because of the you know velocity difference. But yeah. Maybe Fr- and I mean obviously you'd think that for guys like Framber they just start Framber's just a starting pitcher. He's just a guy yeah. who's going to go out there and navigate a lineup for six innings. But yeah, seven. He's been throwing. Well, seven. yeah, yeah. And and so, but it is interesting because if everybody's healthy, which again that's prob those things usually work themselves, themselves out. out. Somebody will get hurt. Yeah. But yeah, if they are all healthy. You either go six-man rotation or somebody gets put in the bullpen. And how do you send Corey Jokes down right now? You, like, you he just keeps don't. hitting. Yeah, no, I mean, you probably don't. You probably just let him <laughs> ride it out as long as he uh, – Now, I, the thing with Brantley, and I've heard people say, well, you just, you know, have Brantley just stay down. No, Brantley comes back. That's fine. Like, I'm, Brantley's coming back on the roster. But Corey no, Jokes stays is on what the you roster do. as well. You've been carrying a third catcher. You just don't – you don't need to carry a third catcher. Yeah. Salazar, Salazar just gets sent down. I mean, I mean, he's gotten two basically meaning good for him, but I mean, two meaningless uh, singles late in games that were pretty much decided. You you don't always need a third catcher, and yeah, it might bite you in one game. Okay, it bites you in one game, then you call him up if you need to. If somebody gets hurt, but I mean, I think that's easy because or Hensley or you send Hensley down. But I mean, Jokes can't go down. Yeah. Now I'm not saying he's going to be rookie of the year, but you got to ride. You got to. He's getting big hits. I mean, I, I think you got to keep him. All right. So hopefully the Astros can perform more humanitarian work against the Rays this week. Uh, you know, like I was joking with with with, uh, with Ray before the show, we might have to nick if they, if they can help the Rays with the Piper too. Then they, you know, the Astros are just serving on. They might be called the Houston Servants instead of the Houston Astros. So we'll see how that plays out. But no, seriously, I I, I just don't want to get swept. But uh, Tampa's on a roll right now, and just give me one win. If I get any more than that, 
Um, I'll be I'll be really excited. All right, NFL draft. Did you read over the weekend? I read a story, and again, doesn't mean it's accurate. It it's just you know there's so much being written and said, and speculation is galore everywhere. But according to this story, C.J. Stroud's it wasn't the Wonderlick test. It's some other cognitive test that they take that his score was so low. It was like shockingly alarming over the top low, his score. In that, like they, they gave a list of a lot of the good other young quarterbacks and what they that are going right now and what they scored, you know, like Burrow and you know, the different quarterback, Mahomes and the other quarterbacks who are really like on top of it right now and what their scores were, and they were incredibly high. Even Josh Allen, his score was incredibly high and in whatever this test is. And I again, I don't know what all that testing stuff is, but that Strouds was like really, really low. And then you, the thing that you're hearing is, and I don't know whether to trust it, you're hearing all this stuff, these little silly reports like, well, I think they're silly, like he's tough to coach. And then now you get, it's like they're setting us up for him dropping and trying to explain it before why teams aren't going to pick him. So do we buy this or not? Because it's starting to sound like they're down on him. Of course, three weeks ago they were all down on Levis, and now his stock seems to be rising. So I, it's hard to know what to believe. Yeah, now the test, it's it's an S2 cognition test that's supposedly designed to test a player's uh, decision-making and just kind of visual learning, impulse control, you know. And so, you know, the theory is that it can it can tell you, you know, those are pretty important quarterback traits, right? You can get making decisions in split seconds. And so, yeah, I read, I read an article from the Columbus Dispatch on it, and but I don't really know. And, and apparently also the thing is that Players have oftentimes tested well on this test and not been great, but they are saying it's very rare for someone to be poor on this test and be great. So that's why there's a lot of concern. But it just, I mean, we've seen him make decisions at Ohio State on the football field at least, right? Like, I don't, it's but, strange but, but to they me. T- but they try, I've also heard the theory, on, again, first of all, how many Ohio State quarterbacks have done anything in the NFL? That's fair. And 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 also that, and and part of the theory behind that is, one, they play with a lot of talent on off- and with offensive linemen and wide receivers, and that they are not – they're more like what the people are saying about Hooker, that the offense is more responsible and, and the structure of the offense doesn't make them make have to make a lot of reads and make a lot of decisions. So that their transition to the next level is more difficult. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It means that you're out on Stroud completely. I don't know if now. Apparently, there's some executives. If you believe everything that was written in these stories and kind of talked about, there's some executives that basically crossed him off the list when they saw his score. Right um, now, does that mean as like a top ten pick? Probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, not like again, total. as we've always been saying, though, it only takes one team to take yes. him. Yes. And if that team has him graded 20 spots higher than all 31 other teams, we'll never know that. We'll just see him get taken at number five or number four or whatever he gets picked. So. We'll see, but it's, yeah, you know, and there was also some story that was like, oh, this Stroud is dropping, and what's what's it for? So then sometimes when you hear that, it's like, well, somebody's, they're going to come up with something, and so these test scores supposedly leaked, and I don't know, there's some conflicting reports about how they leaked, and, you know, I don't know if that's his overall score or if that's a specific part of it, but 
it's uh, it was a strange thing, and like to see that it's supposedly like I mean his scores was. They're not saying like, oh, he didn't do great. Like they're saying he was like all one of the time worst. Bad. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this it was like an eighteen, and every and all these other now, quarterbacks are getting eighties and nineties. Yeah. So now I don't know though if it meant percentile because I saw that compared as well. Does that mean he's in the eighteenth percentile? That yeah. would maybe make some more sense. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't, I don't know, but I know this. Like a month ago. We'd all said the Houston Texans are going to do what? They're going to pass on a quarterback when they don't have one? Well, now people are more people are thinking, well, wait a minute. They're going to pass on the best player in the draft at number two to pick a quarterback that, that scored this on this thing. You know what I'm saying? It kind of almost makes sense that the Houston Texans leaked this out. I'm, and I have no idea if they did. I'm just saying it would make sense because – if and maybe even some of these other teams like the Colts who are like okay let let me cuz cuz GMs don't want to look stupid okay a lot of decisions are made and not made because we don't they don't want to look bad and so i wonder if there if we're starting to get some ex, again why pass because the there's no doubt that the best players in the draft are like you know who depending on what you Anderson Wilson Carter. I mean, those are the the yeah. highest true football players, graded football players in this draft. So why pass on them to pick a quarterback that I have question marks? Well, I've come all the way around on this topic, to be honest with you. And like, because for if you'd asked me a couple of years ago if I was in if T- Houston was in the situation they're in now, I'd have said you got to take the quarterback. You got to just you have to keep taking quarterbacks until one works out. That's what I would have said. I think I've changed my mind on that. I think you build the rest of the roster. If the quarterback there isn't the one you love, I think you build the rest of the roster, and you can see, we've now seen teams in the NFL, you can get better around the quarterback without the quarterback having to elevate you. So I've now, I'm now of the thought process, get the, get the rest of the roster right so that A, when the quarterback who comes in is already in a better situation, and B, you don't have to force a guy that you don't feel like is really going to work. So I think if you're Houston, yeah, if you don't love Stroud, take Anderson, Continue to make that roster better. And pick and then, a quarterback at 12, maybe. Or pick a quarterback at 12 or wait till next year. Like, you're not going to win this year anyway with the quarterback, so you can wait. And if it, and look, if you're bad again because of it, but you start to see some of your other pieces fall into place, then maybe you're in a better situation. And if you're pretty decent and you go, all we need is an upgraded quarterback, well, then maybe you're a valid free agent destination for somebody else or something else. So I, I've, I've now changed my mindset completely. No longer am I thinking, like, just force the quarterback and keep picking it. I think make the rest of your roster better. Well, I've always been for that option. I, I, I agree with you there. And look, I had them picking, well, a month ago, I had them picking Bryce Young at two because I was still thinking like so many people were all over the country that, you know, buying the old Stroud thing. But apparently if if this is all true about Stroud and he really scored that low, and again, once you, once you don't go quarterback at two in a mock draft, the way the draft is working out this year, then man, your your mock is. I mean, you're going into a whole different element. Like, are the Falcons gonna? Let's think about this. Are the Falcons gonna pass on C.J. Stroud at eight if he's still there? Well, I don't know, but I will tell you one thing I heard, and I made a note. I meant to text it to you this weekend, but I didn't end up getting to it. I heard, uh, I believe it was Daniel Jeremiah on a podcast, said uh, don't sleep on the idea that the Falcons could go running back at number eight. Oh, and no. That, I, that, you know, we've but but the only thing so about long. that is they already have good running backs. 
Yeah, but I think that the idea is again that that people think this guy's different, you know, and and so we've we've kind of talked about that a good bit for the Saints too. Like if you're not going to take, you know, if you're not going to take Bijan, you can worry about it later because he's that much better than the other running backs. And if they feel that, then they might go ahead and take him. We'll see. I don't know where to put Bijan. I, I had him with the Eagles. I've been talked out of that. I, I'm I could regret being talked out of that as of now I have him with the Chargers but I don't know if he's going to last that long it's it, it's a scary deal no question we'll take a top break and come back stay tuned this is footnotes on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros you know the routine eat drink sleep and sports all day every day you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station welcome back to footnotes kevin foot on the game 337-706-0111, if you would like to get in. We were just trying to figure out what do, do we believe that the quarterback, you know, a couple weeks ago, if you looked online, oh, Will Levis is plummeting, no one likes him, and now you're hearing he's going to go four to the Colts, and all of a sudden Stroud is the guy just dropping down the board. So we're trying to yeah. kind of figure all that out. We got a question also that came in on Twitter. Uh, somebody wanting to know from a Jets perspective now, as we've you know dealt with this whole saga, do you think the better move for the Jets is to maybe try to make a trade for somebody like Lamar Jackson or something along those lines, and just kind of forget this Rodgers deal, which like I think is fascinating because Rodgers, I mean, is we haven't heard anything in forever on that, right? Like, where does that even stand now? I don't understand it. It well, seems I still like both- think they're going to make a trade by by sometime right before the draft or during the draft. But if it if we get to Monday, but if we get to a week on? from now and they don't make a trade during the draft, then I don't know that he's going to be going there. Like, yeah, like what are they waiting on? And again, maybe it's just Rodgers doing this whole like I'm just I don't know yet, and maybe he's contemplating retirement. Maybe I don't know, but like where. I don't understand how whatever's going to happen hasn't happened yet. I think they're playing because it's like they don't want to give up their first-round pick and the Packers want to get their first-round pick. So they're just waiting for the, – the danger of that is if you wait and wait and wait, someone else might just say, okay, wait a minute. Why don't we just make this trade? And they give this great offer and then they make it and then the Jets are sitting there holding the bag. I mean – uh yeah, it's if I'm a Jets fan, I'm very I don't I don't like all of this back and forth stuff with that. So yeah, we're certainly trying to um this it could be fascinating cuz even last year even last year we were uh Aaron Rodgers was the topic of the uh it was to the Broncos but here we go again, going into a draft, and we're there. All right, before we get to the game hotline, uh, here's the thing that we have not, from a Saints perspective, that we have not really explored yet. Again, and my goal is to not get thrown a curveball. Well, the more I think about it, after all the conversations we've had about, I don't think there's very many positions that I I, I think the Saints are going to have very few options 
that they really like or that makes sense position-wise when they get to 29. So I think, you know, we talked quite a bit last week about Osiris Torrance. It makes sense. They need a guard. I mean, who knows if they're going to offer a fifth-year option or Ruiz. That decision hasn't been made public yet. We None of us really think that two years from now that – that Andrus Pete is still going to be on this team, much less next year. And so, do you need a guard for the foreseeable future? Absolutely. So, if they pick Osiris Torrance, it would not surprise me. But I think that the the the, the road that we haven't gone down on yet is what if they're not as high on Osiris Torrance as some people are. In other words, we haven't really explored them picking another interior offensive lineman kind of like we brought his name up last week Chris Naoli like Chris Naoli came out of the blue like none of us when they picked Chris Naoli I was like who we all went who like that's what I don't want to do now again Chris Naoli had a decent NFL career not a lot of it with New Orleans, but at least he was an, a legitimate NFL football player. So if they pick Osiris Torrance, none of us are going to be surprised because it's a, a neat area and a guy that we're all very familiar with. But what if they're not as high on him? Like, who could be the Chris Naoli of this draft? Some people have... Uh, John Michael Schmidt, the, he had been projected to go to the Chargers by quite a lot of people early on in this mock draft. He's from the Gophers, uh, where the Cajuns are going to be playing this year. He's 6'4", 300. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to draft a center, but we've seen them do it before. You pick a center and you play him at guard. They, we just did. They just did that with Ruiz. There's this guy from um, Minnes- from Wisconsin. It's like Czechoslovakia, Joe Tipman. 66313. He could play guard. Like, I have no idea if the Saints are high on this guy, these guys. Another one is Cody Malk. He's from North Dakota State. 65302. What if they love him? Steven Avilia. 64332. Guard from TCU. So we haven't really talked about them picking another guard or a center that's in college who they project as being a guard uh, late in the first round just because they look at that as a neat area and they're the highest rated guy on the board. Just because most of us think it's Osiris Torrance doesn't mean the Saints think that. So I don't know, just a whole avenue that we haven't discussed at all Oh, I just don't want to get Chris Naoli'd. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kev. Howdy. If if they go that route, then they're going to wait till the fourth or fifth round to get a guard. That's the only one they're going to pick in the first round would be Osiris. But we don't know I, that. I like he I, he he I might not be the highest having, guy on their board. There, there would be passing up too many other good players at other positions to make. That unlike you said, unless their board is, and we never know what their board says, but I mean, I'd rather get one of the prime tight ends than a tackle or a guard you can get in the third or fourth round. I think the only one graded that high by everybody is Osiris. 
I just saw I just saw a list and they had Osiris fourth with the first pick in the second round. So that's right about where he grades out. I just think and he makes a lot of sense. Like you said, they're not going to pick up the the. I think it's fourteen point seven million as the fifth year option on Ruiz. I just don't see him doing that. And and the money Pete makes, he gets a little bit more affordable to cut after this year. So the guard really makes a ton of sense. And he's a guy that you draft and you got him for 10 years. And uh, I don't know. I just don't see him playing around with a another another player at that position. But again, better. you're assuming they have him ranked at the high. I just read yeah. an article that Osiris Torres is the fourth rated guard. So, well, again, I've seen him ranked as high as 22nd. To the Chargers, and I mean, the latest mock I was reading had Pittsburgh taking him with the first pick in the second round. So he's somewhere, and we've discussed this a bunch, man. Pick 29 to pick 40 is pretty much the same player, depending on what position you want to fill. But he just he makes so much sense, and he's a safe pick. Um, he, he boosts your running it with the running back you just signed. He boosts the running game up the middle tremendously. He's a good pass blocker and, and can actually get better. I just, I, I, I don't think Branch will be there. I still want Branch, but I think the first pick is going to be Osiris. I really do. Well, it and could be. But again, it could, be also be a, it could also be a. It could also be. It could also be a center that they're moving to guard because they just did that a couple years ago. Yeah, they did it um, again. I think if you get a true guard, your center position's locked up. We've got a really good center, especially. I mean, he's just got to stay healthy, and and it helped having Ruiz when McCoy did get hurt. But I think if you can get a tr- a true guard, um, you know, and one that's proved at multiple levels of college that he's his his game film just doesn't lie. And we talk about this. We get guys that give you four solid years of game film. And then the combine comes around and some dude jumps up 40 inches and has a 10-foot broad jump and runs a three-cone. And they they go brain dead. They get so enamored with all the measurables that they suddenly ignore four years of game film. And I don't think Osiris has given up a pass pressure in a college football. That's crazy sick. Think about that. No, again, look, I, 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 we've been talking about Osiris through this whole process. I just started. I'm trying to think of all areas, and I, I look, they could Caesar Ruiz. They did it three years. What three years ago oh, they look, did it to us? Look, Peyton Turner. They, they are. They done it for picking yes. people that we have no clue they were even looking at. Right, exactly. And so I think so, we need to look at some of these other interior linemen because it is a neat area. No question about I just that. Don't think that early. I think if they do another interior lineman, they'll wait. And look, backing up what y'all were talking about two weeks ago, I told you when we were talking about the Saints getting Bijan Robinson, I said I wouldn't be shocked if he went as high as eight to Atlanta, and that's the Arthur Blank. What he did with Derrick Henry, he could be seeing this and saying, I can do the exact same thing with Bijan Robinson. And well, it, the Falcons it, are, are definitely in play for Bijan Robinson. I think Philadelphia is two at ten, but I don't think I think Philly would wait because they can get Gibbs at thirty. But for what Arthur Blank does in Atlanta, he's, that's not a crazy pick to pick him at eight. No, I don't think it. there are any crazy picks because he's probably the third or fourth best player in the draft. But we got to get to a break. I appreciate the call. Enjoying the show, guys. Have a good week. 
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We talk Major League Baseball, the NBA playoffs, college baseball, college softball. LSU got their first sweep of the SEC season. We kind of thought uh, Ole Miss was not really back at that level in bar. They having a medicine season. If you don't believe in medicine seasons, I know that's a pro sports thing that I talk about, but – they were the poster child for that, and they're having it. So LSU handled them as expected. But recently, we've been talking about the NFL draft, and we both try. I try to remind myself all the time: there's the draft game, and then there's real football, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. And so that's another thing I wanted to touch on here, that because I hear it a lot, and I understand why it gets done. And again, like they will do it on the NFL draft broadcast. Like you will have analysts that will say. I don't know why they took this guy. You could get that guy in this round or this round or whatever else. But I think that's one thing you have to sit back and think about it from a team's perspective. Number one, I don't know for sure because I don't work in NFL front office. I doubt that NFL teams use mock drafts from around from from random ESPN publications, right? I don't think they're looking at Mel Kuyper's big board. Maybe they have it as a reference point to kind of see where their evaluations are. But these teams evaluate each one of these players on their own. And no other people in the league and no like legit real evaluation. So sometimes you'll see a guy get picked and let's say the Saints take him at 30 and you go that you could have gotten that guy in the third round. He's got a third round grade. That doesn't mean you actually could have gotten him in the third round. And a lot of times these teams, A, know how they feel about the player. And if he's high on their board, then they like him. And B, they probably have an idea of some other teams that really like him too. Because they understand and a lot of them know people and know how players get evaluated. And so I think it's just sometimes when you take a guy and when the Saints take Peyton Turner and you go, they could have gotten him with the second round pick. They, they, you don't know that and they don't know that. And they, if they love that guy, there's probably situations where they go, man, maybe we could get him at pick 40, but we're going to really feel like we missed out if we don't get this guy now. So we got to take him now. And sometimes teams do that. So I think just the whole, just because he has a third-round grade from the media outlets doesn't mean that other teams in the league value him in the third round, and so that's sometimes why teams are going to go up to get him. Another point you brought up when we were talking in the break is that fifth, that fifth-year option matters now a lot, and sometimes teams you know, think, hey, if we get this guy in the first round, we have the fifth-year option, whereas if we take him in the second round, we lose it, and especially at positions like, and we've seen this with quarterback, that's, that's part of the reason now that quarterbacks get overdrafted as much is because teams go... If we take this guy and he works out, now with how important it is to how much you have to pay quarterbacks, that fifth year is huge because we can win a title in that window if he works out. Right. So instead of taking him, even if a team has a very early second-round pick, they might move up to the end of the first round because they want the fifth-year option. Like, just look at Cesar Ruiz. If Cesar Ruiz was having the the career that Ramchek had, I know it's a different position, but roughly the same. Like, if he had the same 
success that Ramchek had, then you're going to want the fifth-year option. So even though it's with a guard and we're not enamored with guard, does that does not mean the teams are not going to want the fifth-year option if they're if they if they guess right on how good that guard's going to be? Like if if Andrews Pete was like a perennial, if he was Jari Evans. Think about it. If the Saints would have picked Jordy Evans in the first round, half Saints fans would have just flipped their mind, lost their minds. But boy, it'd be nice. It would have been nice to have the fifth-year option on a guy like that, who turns out to be arguably one of the top five or six players that's ever played for you. Like, you know. So, I, the, the reminder is that understand there's the draft game and then there's real football. And sometimes, and I and look, I'm guilty of this. We get so caught up in the draft game that we forget this is still real football. And so, I don't know. Now, would I put a lot of money that the Saints are going to pick an offensive lineman other than Osiris Torrance? Probably not. But again, you don't have to look very far back. None, None of us were talking about Cesar Ruiz, who played center, and he's played most of his time at guard. They just did it three years ago. I mean, it's not like, oh, man, where did you come up with that from? So I'm just thinking over the weekend, like, what other avenue is there? And I think that's another avenue that we just have not thought about. And, again, I, I, I don't know where the Saints have John Michael Schmidt <laughs> I mean, ranked. But, again, I, I've, I've seen him projected 10 picks at, to be People to pick him ten picks ahead of the Saints. So why couldn't the Saints pick him if they if they have him ranked highly? Now I think those guys are more probable if the Saints are going to pick him in the second round as well. But if if this the Saints are not edge rusher guys, they're just not. Like when I was interviewing Luke last week, essentially. If Luke is right and the Saints continue to do what they do, which what their philosophy has been for decades, the Saints don't really – edge rusher is not even a category for the Saints. If you think about it, they're not they, – the Saints never pick an edge rusher. Like, they pick defensive ends. They don't pick these edge rusher guys that aren't like – they pick Gam- Cam Jordan defensive ends. Now, I guess you could argue that Davenport was a little different, but he was still a defensive end. He wasn't – they just thought he'd have been a defensive end with incredible cat-like quickness, and it just it didn't work out. But they're not really – they don't really pick these, these true edge rushers. And so yeah, I don't know that they're going to change that this year. They don't – you're not going to see them pick like the hybrid edge rusher guy who might also drop back in coverage from time to time. You're right. They're going to pick the classic defensive end. And I think that, I think Davenport does fit. I think he was, you know, part of that Cam Jordan mold. And again, yeah, he had a couple other traits, but they were never going to play him off the ball or anything like that. So yeah, that's why the Nolan Smith thing that we've talked about for a while the closer you get to it, you do think probably the least like even if he again, we don't necessarily think he's gonna be there, but that still probably just won't be what they do. But even Will McDonald, who's kinda along that yeah. line, I I don't know I don't you know, I'm kinda convinced they're not gonna do him because they've never picked those kind of guys. And so it's just like these people that keep trying to say the Saints are gonna pick a quarterback. I mean 
I was five years old the last time they did this. Five. Like, it's not going to happen. But, um, so no, I'm just saying it's something to keep an eye on. And we are now just three days away and... Like I said, I'm more confused than I think I've ever been in terms of the overall draft, the top 10. Because really, could you really say you're not buying this Stroud talk? Like, how convinced are you right now? Because I'm not very convinced at all anymore. They've actually sold me, and could it be a a bill of goods? And could the Texans take Stroud still? Of course they could. Yeah, But I kind of believe it. So I think there might be some truth to it. And I think some teams will be out, but I think someone will like him enough to take him in the top in the top 15, 20 picks. I don't know if he goes top five the way I thought for a really long time. Um, but what I about think, the Raiders? Like, the Raiders think differently than the rest of the league almost Yeah, always. that's true, and you've seen some Levis to them talk. But now the funny thing is, in, and again, we will see on Thursday how much of it was. And I guess then we really won't know because, again, like – we talk all much, but it's like one team's result changes what the if the player gets taken, you go, Well, I guess he was right off the board. Well, no, maybe just that team really liked him and nobody yeah. else did. But Levis sounds like the guy who's soaring while while Stroud falls, which I mean again, how crazy would that have been if you said that a couple months ago when CJ Stroud was playing against yeah. Georgia in the in the in the playoffs, you'd have said, oh, wait, the, the the Kentucky quarterback's supposedly gonna be the top five pick, and this guy who just went up against the best defense in the country and looked really good against him, might fall out of the top 15. Like, Look, Jordy's been raving about Will Levis. And so, um, you know, he might end up being right. I, I It would not surprise – you know, Will Levis is more – not really like it, but more like a Josh Allen type. You could see the Josh Allen comparisons. Didn't His college tape is not tremendous. So I know we don't really have time to go down. So so where does Richardson fall into this? If Stroud drops, which I mean, in my mock, I think they've sold me that he's gonna drop. And and, and if Levis goes to the Colts, which is some what some people are thinking, where does Richardson fall into this? I think the Raiders come right back into play there too, right? And imagine that though the Raiders might have their choice between Richardson and Stroud, which is not what the choice we thought they were going to be making. We thought maybe the choice would be Richardson or Levis, but now it might be Richardson or Stroud. And then again, I don't, the I, Titans have to get a quarterback. Like, what are they going? Like, the Titans have to trade up and get one of these quarterbacks, or they could just real just sit there. And I'm not saying I'm not comparing them and sit there and do what the Patriots did when they got Mac Jones. Just sit there and then he falls to him. One of them falls to him. But like. Seriously, if you're a Titan fan, and you know me, I'm no QW at all. I'm the anti-QW. But if you're a Titans fan, you can't. Tannehill's old. like you, uh, And he's not a, a viable. I mean, you have to get a quarterback, it seems like. Well, and, and, and this is another thing that we've mentioned. It's They're in that spot, and I think Minnesota's in it too, where your, your roster's probably good enough to be a playoff team and maybe contend, but your quarterback probably isn't. So you can't tear it down, but what are your other options? Like the Vikings are going to stick with Kirk Cousins for at least one more year and hope it works out, and it probably won't get them any farther than it got them last year. The Titans are kind of in that spot too. Like they have this generational running back who time history has told us doesn't have that much longer playing really well. Like they, and, and that's what their whole offense is founded on. So it's either get a quarterback and try to compete or – 
maybe start tearing it down. Like I don't I don't know if there's really too many other options. What if they pick Bajon Robinson? <laughs> I would just laugh. If the Titans pick Bajon Robinson at eleven, I would just laugh. That would be funny. But you know what? Derek's getting old. No, they got to get at a least in running back years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they got to get yes in running back years. They, they, they got to get a quarterback to me. Wow, it's fascinating. I just, I've just always been fascinated with the NFL draft, and here we are the week of, and I'm as more confused than I've ever been. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Just got a few minutes left on this Monday. So we've talked a lot of, we talked some NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball. Yeah, you know, we haven't talked that much Major League Baseball since opening day. And it was just an exciting weekend series. We talked about it going in. A lot of Astro fans in the area, a lot of Braves fans in the area. And the Astros, um, Got got the sweep on the road, and again, the 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 most impressive thing that that I left the weekend with is the statement that I didn't realize it had been almost two years since May of 2021 since the Braves got swept in a three game series at home. That's pretty impressive. Um, and now the Astros turn to the Rays, who. People are finding out about the Rays. We, if you've been listening to this show for years, we've been telling you for a long time that the Rays are smarter than everybody else, and they're proving that again this year because everyone was like, what in the world? You couldn't score a run last year. Why are you not going out and spend money on bats? And again, it's 22 games, small sample size, but their offense has been incredible. <laughs> they're like, we trust our guys. I don't know that I trusted them, but you know who I did trust? The front office of the race. Like, they just, they're smarter than the rest of us. So we should have figured, you know what? If the Rays front office think they're, they're, they've got potential with their bats and it's just a matter of, of adjusting, um, then I believe it. Like, I mean, they're the Rays. They're just smarter than everybody else. But again, they need help. And hopefully the Astros are the team to help them because they haven't lost a home game. They're really on the verge of making – the Piper is very irritated with them right now. They're off to a 19-3 and start, and they just set a record for the most consecutive games to start a season with a home run at 22 in a row. So, I, you know, now Jose Arquiti is a home run. I mean, he can give up a home run, no question. So – they're facing the right guy. I mean, he throws – he kind of challenges you. He doesn't have overly kind of great stuff. And, he, and, he, and he's not really – he don't really like walking batters. And he loves challenging hitters. And so, you know, it would be – it would it, on paper, he's not the guy that's going to keep you from hitting a home – ending a home run streak like that. But you never know. It's baseball. You know, Milo used to say years ago – 
you know, many times he would always say, there's two words to describe baseball. You never know. I mean, it's just, um, you just don't. And so we'll see. But hopefully the Astros can um, do perform more community service and keep the Piper from being mad at them and help out the Rays a little bit. Because you know, it's, they're crazy. You know, it's great. Hmm. Three, five, 40 first pitches playing in Tampa. I can I can do that. I can I can be up the whole I can stay up for the whole game. Five forty really first pitch yep. our time. Five forty central, five ten pregame. You can hear it on the game tonight. And it's uh again, it, it's a weird atmosphere there. But uh they're good. And um, you know, we'll we'll you know, it'll just be fun games. Again, it's April. <laughs> it's April. But it's still, for an April series, the one the Astros just got finished playing was fun because of all the local interest. And because the Rays are 19-3 and and hitting all these home runs, they've developed a little bit of a national interest uh, off to the great start. And so uh, this is a fun series as well for the Astros. And hopefully, as I've been kind of half serious, half joking, um, can perform a little community service and help out the Braves. I mean, help out the Rays like they helped out the Braves because you don't want to. You don't want to get the Piper mad. You want the Piper on your side. So we'll see what happens. And and again, just like my goal was going into the Braves series, just don't get swept because eventually this team for the Astros is too good. They're gonna get hot. They've now won four in a row, and because they didn't get swept, boom, even though they weren't playing well, they're two games over 500 all of a sudden. And all they got to do is win a couple more, and then all of, and then, you know, 500's in their rearview mirror for, for the rest of the season is the plan anyway. So that's the, va- that's the wisdom behind just don't get swept. It doesn't matter how bad you're playing. Um, too many people were too worried about the Astros. I mean, we, first of all, we're still in April. Start worrying in June if you're going to worry about a slow start. Don't worry in April. Uh, unless you're like, again, I'm not talking about the Oakland A's, the poor Oakland A's. <laughs> I just don't know how many games they're going to win. And if you're the Pirates, just enjoy it. If you're a Pirate fan, you ain't had too much to be excited about in recent years. Just enjoy it. Don't expect anything. Don't change your expectations. Just enjoy that you're winning. And the Pirates are, you know, they're playing well right now. Just enjoy it while it's there because you just don't know when it's going to end. I don't see how it's going to last long term, but we don't know. All right, so we, we conf- I don't know that we've reached any conclusions. Uh, I think we're as confused as ever on the um, NFL draft, and when we meet tomorrow, we'll be two days away. Unbelievable. Have a nice day.